Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XXXI, paragraph 3, When I Need a Mental Uplift. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Janice M., The 12 Traditions, Esther F. And reading the text today, we'll have Rachel W., Lisa H., and Katie F. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, January January 23rd, 2017, is 9505-9505. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. The OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice M. to please read the 12 steps. Star one, Janice. Sorry about that. Um, My name is Janice M. and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One. We admitted that we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pat. Thank you, Janice. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there has been one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the person speaking should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XXXI, paragraph 3, and we'll read to the conclusion. And I'll ask Rachel W. to begin our study. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service today. And this is Rachel W., recovered compulsive reader calling from New York. When I need a mental uplift... I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and, deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn, determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and, in desperate condition, brought to me. 
Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment was a waste of effort unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology, and we doubted if even that would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has, had, he has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book though, through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. William D. Silkworth, M.D. And this is my timer. And again, this is Rachel W., uh, recover compulsive. We were calling from New York. I'm really excited to to have uh, brought the to have concluded the doctor's opinion today. Um, uh, so much came up. I I'm sure a lot for you as well. But I feel like I really want to address the newcomer, the people who are in relapse, the struggling people, even the recovered people. Just to remind us all where where we once were. And what I'm hearing in this paragraph, the first one especially, is step one. The patient made its own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, he had hidden in a desert barn, determined to die. How many times do we do this? How many times did I do this in my binges? You know, it's a disease of isolation where I, I, I just thought I was the only person in the world who had such a crazy issue with eating too much food. And, and I was there, you know, going to Costco and buying like two, two different packages of um, Costco chocolate chip cookies and one, one for the family and one for myself. And, and, you know, later on realizing that, you know, that, oh, yeah, I have an issue, but not really, not really knowing that there was a solution out there. And, and what I'm hearing there is, is the unmanageability of step one, the language of step one, the trying to figure it out by myself, the I, 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 you know, I can't do this. I'm eating too much. Um, I'm hopeless and I'm, I'm going to go hide and I'm, I'm determined to die. But this process is, is about so much more than putting down the food. And, and you might hear people saying, you know, just put down the food and recover. I know it's not that easy. It's not, it doesn't even make sense. Put down the food and recover. If I could put down the food, I wouldn't be here. But, but the truth is that at some point I did make that realization that the thing that had me, that got me to put down the food was step two, was believing in something else, was believing in my sponsor, was trusting my sponsor and knowing that, that there is a, a, a higher process. I don't even say higher power. I say highest power because I only have one higher power and, then, and that's it. You know, and for so long food is a higher power, but what this is speaking to in this paragraph is the transformative process of the steps. And I, and they work, they really do work, and they really do help me keep this food down because there is a force in my life today that was not there before. God was always there before, but the connection between me and God was, was sorely lacking, And I, even when I thought it was robust. And, and so in this paragraph, what I have in my notes here is that this story is actually on page 301. There's a story there about a physician who was recovering, and um, and and we can learn about his process and see the restorative transformation. For me, last week, I'll end with this. I had a situation where I pulled the entire thing through the steps. It was probably one of the most challenging situations in my entire life. I pulled it through the steps. I recognized the unmanageability. I believe that God... And, and other people could help me out of this situation. I became willing to turn my life over. I looked for my defects, and then I, I asked God to remove them, and then I looked to make amends and be of service. And then I, 
I continue to take inventory and, and do something spiritual and help another person. And that is the process here. It's about so much more than putting down the food because the real issue really isn't about the food. And I just want to end off with that, that last sentence, the last part of that story, which says on page 308, what is this power that AA possesses, this curative power? I don't know what it is. I suppose the doctor might say this is psychosomatic medicine. I suppose a psychiatrist might say this is benevolent interpersonal relations. I suppose others would say this is group psychotherapy. To me, it is God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rachel W. We will now open it up for comment. We're going to be commenting on that entire section there. Who would like to... Charles H. A.U.D. Leanne H. Hurley D. Chris Candy B. Kim G. Leah D. Okay, I have several people here. I'm probably out of order, but let me give you what I have so far. And I have Charles H., Leah D., Leanne D., Reba P., I have Candace. I don't know your last initial. I have Melissa, <laughs> C, and Kim G. Who else? Harlan Tina G. H. I have Harlan. I have Tina. Anybody uh, else? Larry. Lisa H. I have Larry. And somebody else. Lisa H. Did I, did I hear? Yes. What did I hear? Yes. Lisa H. Okay. Monica Let's too. go with that. Oh, hi, Monica. We'll stop right there with you, Monica. Thanks so much. And we'll lead off with Charles H. You want to press star one, Charles, please? Gladly, Melody, gladly, gladly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that soul surgery. Charles H. a recovered compulsive <laughs> overeater. Um, yeah, this, this, this second um, person um, became sold on the ideas contained in this book. But more than that, I'm going to let you all deal with that. I'm going to deal with my favorite part where in Virginia Beach, Katie G. got the prize off of this last question, if you all don't remember. This great doctor, this medical saint said, I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through. And though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. I don't know about you, but I don't know many doctors that <laughs> would tell me to read this great life-saving book and ask me to remain to pray. He earnestly advises it. So here it is, you know, 70-something years later, I earnestly advise every compulsive overeater to read this book through. And though you may laugh, you may think this is a joke, but it ain't no joke. Um, remain to pray. And can, if I can add something, uh, prayer without action is begging. I need to put some action in that prayer. Give you another example. You know, I can pray for a job, but if I don't put an application and I'll pray till the cows come home, I won't get it. I can pray for abstinence, if I don't put the food down, uh, I will not be abstinent. If I don't put the ketchup down, if I don't put the Caesar's dressers down, I will not be totally abstinent. And you know what? We earnestly suggest you to put the food down because it says following the elimination. Another place, I don't know if it's five, six, seven, I just keep hearing put it down, put it down, and crack open this book with a recovered person and, and, and recover. Recover, recover, recover. And, yes, I did call. I, I text Harlan. I said, you better get up. I need you. I need every recovered person to share every single day on this line and protect us, protect me, and put me in the middle 
of this herd protected. I earnestly suggest every compulsive reader to read this book. And though you may come to stop, you may remain a prey. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Charles H. Leah D. Thank you so much. Um, wow. God bless Dr. Silkworth. Um, I didn't understand that I had to read the book. I thought holding it was enough. And I thought that as an overreader, I just had to follow my powerlessness part. And I thought that if I kept saying, I'm powerless, I'm powerless, I'm powerless, and I carried around a scale like the Holy Bible, and I weighed the food, I'd be okay. And that was a lie. And I did that for many, many, many years. And I couldn't understand why I kept relapsing and falling and why I kept relapsing and falling and gaining and losing. And I just didn't understand that part of powerlessness. And um, today I've stayed and I've prayed and I've stayed close to the winners. And I want to live with all those who are recovered and I want to pick their brains and say, how do I do this? And the moral psychology can't help me. I am sold on this. I am absolutely 100% sold. But for me, it takes a lot of work. I have to work every morning and get up and be sold on it from the minute my eyes open and tell me where the prayer comes in. I have to pray. I have to follow direction. I have to ask God's direction. I have to write my food. I have to weigh it down. I can't let up on those things because then I won't be sold anymore and I'll be dead. And um, that's the truth. And I've learned how to pray and I've learned how to turn to a God that's greater than me. And I never understood that God and I never understood that he cares and I put into his care and I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through. And for me, I couldn't do it on, on my own. I don't process well unless I do it out loud. That's why I listen to the tapes over and over again. I listen to all of you over and over again and Joe and Charlie so I can process. And the more I process, the closer I can get to God, the more I can stay recovered. Thank you for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Leah D. Lee Ann D. Good morning. This is Leanne oh. W. from Massachusetts. I, I did put my name in. I don't know if it's Yeah, you're the one. No, oh, okay. you're the one. My Thank you. Thank you so B, much. So I thought maybe I said B. I don't know. Um, so my name is Leanne W. from Massachusetts and Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And um, what really spoke to me on this was my insanity and my desperation coming into program. Um, I've shared on the line in the past, so I came into the program Back in the 90s, um, anorexic, I went through extreme measures to restrict foods. And um, when it got out of control, I did the diuretics, I did the diet pills, I did the laxatives, I did the exercising, I did all the insanity in order to control my weight. I went to Weight Watchers where I was underweight, desperate, looking for help. And, you know, ended up in the hospital. All of that um, nearly killed myself with the extreme measures and then um, realized that none of that could work and the weight started to come on. But when the weight was coming on, of course, I ended up in a normal-sized body, so everybody thought I looked great, but it was still the disease was there. Well, fast forward nearly 100 pounds gained later, I'm really desperate at this point and truly felt helpless and absolutely didn't know what to do. Again, went back to Weight Watchers, went to all the diet clubs. The the insanity, the craziness, the extreme measures, all of that that I had to go through, truly thought I was helpless. 
and hopeless and that there was never going to be a way that I could ever recover from this. It was either one extreme, I either couldn't stop eating or I couldn't stop dieting and exercising and, and doing everything I had to do. So, And it wasn't until I came into this process and truly just let go and practicing, like just going through admitting my powerlessness and then step two and three means step two is vital for me. And then um, working through everything and coming to the solution at the end of this, you know, at the end of the process through this book, it has truly been life-changing for me. And that insanity has been lifted. The the recovery that I have, I just, I cannot believe it took me so long to get here, but I'm so thrilled that I'm here. And I still have some weight that I'm losing. It's coming off really slow, but I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with that. I'm in, moving in the right direction, and God is truly working in my life. And I'm so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne W. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. These paragraphs just give me so much hope. Because um, what I'm being told in this doctor's opinion in this section is two case examples of how this uh, plan of action and this program works for the lowest bottom of the low cases. And here's a guy who, you know, goes into um, a barn and is determined, determined to die. He's determined he's hopeless. His situation and his problem is so complex. He's so desperate, which reminds me what has been shared before. You know, my case is so unique. My case is so different because I am so bad and I can be so terminally unique that I don't think it's going to work for me. But this plan of action and this program works for everybody, everybody who is a compulsive overeater. And then it explains how it works. He had the physical rehabilitation, which means he put his alcohol down. And then he did what they called then moral psychology, which is he worked the steps. Um, And then what really strikes me is he wasn't just sober for a great many years, but he was a fine specimen of a man, which is just like the case example before. And it's so beyond abstinence only. Um, This person, like the one before, um, and people will share on the stories and people that it relates to, um, these are transformed people. And, you know, it's the same with the food as with everything else in life because this program gives me a life. So when I think in abstinence, that my situation is so complex and so hopeless and so complicated because I can be such a drama queen. Um, It will work for it anyway. Like, you know, I tell God, uh, somebody once explained to me um, something about step one and two, um, and I'm losing my train of thought right now, but, you know, I tell God how complex my problems are, and then in step two, God tells me, it's really, you know, I am way bigger than your problems. Um, so just a lot of hope here, not just for the food, but for everything else. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Candace B. Hi, um, this is Candace B. I'm recovered compulsive overeater in the United Kingdom. Um, <clears throat> I'm 
particularly love these paragraphs and indeed the last paragraph urging everybody to um you know read read the book through um and particularly as was shared you know these are scientific people from a long time ago but the reality is they're also doing the same thing today some of the um research that um i did a little while back on um on you know the the, the, genet- the genetics behind food addiction, which um, absolutely uh, corroborates what they say about the allergy of the body. It's known you know that there is a gene, there's a genetic reason behind our addiction, um, and yet even these scientists say that the solution is in the twelve steps. They have no pill no program, nothing else but a spiritual solution for that. And that is 2016 or 2017. Um, and to me, it just shows the um, the power of this book and the power of the, the knowledge that, that, that was kind of given to them through inspiration at the time. And it's still there today because it's that twofold disease, the allergy of the body, and the, and the obsession of the mind and the only way to treat the mind. You know, we could have all the facts in the world and the good thing is to know that we're not to blame. We've got this allergy. It's not our fault that we are the way we are. Um, but at the same time, what is it that's going to stop us from picking up that first bite? It's um, our connection with our higher power. Uh, and it's those thoughts, you know, and, you know, when the first thought that comes into our head to do with picking up um, it came in unbidden. We didn't ask for that thought, but it's then it's what we do to that thought afterwards. That's where the spiritual solution comes in, because we can train ourselves to link up immediately with our higher power and say, "Take this thought away from me. Give me a recovery thought," and we're back on on track as well. And that, to me, is a miracle of of linking up to the higher power because it changes our thoughts, it changes our thinking. Um, and um, no other means will do that. And um, I can certainly, it changed my life so radically from um, somebody who was absolutely hopeless. I was, you know, to the point where I had no thoughts. I was fortunate to come to recovery at a very young age. I think 21, I started my abstinence. Um, and, um, but at the time, I was so confused about why I, I could not stop eating this I never intended to binge I was uh, bulimic like many other food addicts um, and I only said no I'm just going to have this diet food and then that was it I put the substance into my body it didn't taste very nice it was nothing to do with that it affected me physically I could not stop myself picking up um, and that was it I was off to the races and there I was lying in agony on the floor stuffed a bursting um and i just didn't know what was going on with me until somebody said to me no you can't eat these foods that's a fact because this is how you're going to behave over and over again number one put the cork in the bottle number two you need to be able to have um a, a power to stop you from picking up you know defense against the first bite um and that's where I, you know, that's where all of the, all of the knowledge came out through the big book, um, and the net, and the, you know, the thing that underpins the whole of the steps being the humility. And it's the humility that is our greatest defender in our weapon against the ego, which kind of drives our addiction as well. Um, and so, you know, to be a radically transformed person, I'm, I can. Um, relate to others who feel that they are two different you know they have been two different people in their lives pre-abstinence I was a completely different person post-abstinence um 
what a difference it makes. I'm a functional human being and I can hold a job down today and I can be aware of my faults so that I, <clears throat> so that I can be, you know, of loving service when possible. Um, and so um very grateful to be reading this today and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Candace B. Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive over here in New York. And, um, you know, determined to die, believing there was no more hope, couldn't see his way out. Um, it sounds very melodramatic, but that's not it at all, you know. And so um, if someone thinks this is just words to kind of drum up a good tale, um, I haven't really hit that level of desperation. Excuse me, Melissa. You seem to be fading in and out. Can you adjust at all? Is this better or no? Not so much. All right. Yeah, that can you try it's again? Not it's, it's fading in and out. Can you try again and, and dial back in? Thank you. Kim G., would you step in then for a moment? For your three minutes. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Jam, recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Well, unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. Man, does that hit home? That was my focus for many years in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. You know, willpower and staying on guard. You know, and I think of many things that I said in the room and I heard in the room, like, don't eat no matter what, no matter what, don't eat. You know, if you remember your last drink, you're not going to eat again. Play the tape through. Um, When you want to eat, go to a meeting, make a phone call, drink a glass of water. You know, and sometimes those work, but it's not a long-term solution. So when he's asking for willpower, I personally think of page 24 where it tells me if I'm the real compulsive overeater, if I'm the type described in this book, it says on 24, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice to drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory and the suffering and the humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink, which is why at certain times those things worked but nothing on a consistent basis. You know, I think to myself, it's like playing Russian roulette. You know, you have a, a gun, it's got six chambers, i got one bullet in it. I'm willing to pull that trigger because at certain times, these things are going to work. But as my disease progresses, what happens is I now have five bullets in the chamber, only one that's empty. And yet, because that's my only solution, I continue to pull the, the trigger over and over and over. So for me, I had to get to the point where I understood that I was hopeless. I understood that abstinence was not the answer. Abstinence was my problem. And I could not stay abstinent for any length of time contently, which is why my mind always brought me back to the only thing that ever brought me ease and comfort at once, which was to pick up that bite. You know, we often hear, don't leave till the miracle happens. Let me tell you, everyone on this line, the miracle has happened. You are on a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. That is the miracle. The solution is here. Don't wait. Don't think even. I thought way too much. Just do. Action. And it says, you know, don't give up. 
I'm asking everyone today, give up. Give up. Surrender your food. Surrender to these steps. And let me tell you, my experience on the other side of step 12 is absolute freedom. Freedom from the food and freedom from self. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. I'm going to check to see if Melissa C. was able to dial back in to correct and adjust. Um, I don't know. Is it any better now? Melissa C. Or is it still... let's, try, let's try it again. Maybe if you use a strong voice, we can uh, power through that technical glitch there. Let's see. Thanks, Melissa. Okay. Hi, Melissa C. Recovered. Compulsive overeater in New York. And I'm not on my car this morning, so I'm not on the Bluetooth um, Maybe that, you know, hopefully you can hear me. If not, just let me know and I'll go back out. Um, you know, so like, determined to die, believing there was no more hope, couldn't see his way out. Um, it sounds so melodramatic, but if you suffered with this disease, there's nothing melodramatic about that at all. You know, that's desperation and that's a beautiful thing because um, it tells us that we're ripe for transformation. And, you know, when he says, like, he feels it's hopeless. He's been removed from the alcohol. And, um, and that's what I really want to talk about today. It's like when you separate from the food is when, for me, it became incredibly uncomfortable. It's like, oh, my God, now I can't blot out the pain of this existence. I was still, you know, stuck in a body I hated, um, stuck with my diseased thinking, but I didn't have the food to rely on. And that's when we need to become sold on the ideas in this book. And he, you know, there was a time I thought surely I was worse off than anybody else. I would sit at a meeting and measure my size against everyone else in the room. And because I was the fattest, I was the worst. Not my thinking was. I didn't care about what was happening internally to anybody. I was so stuck, stuck on myself. And, you know, I just thought I needed more willpower. And then I became sold on the ideas in this book, and I decided to cooperate completely. And for that, you know, that means to start following directions instead of giving directions. Um, I realized that I was being thrown a life preserver, you know, and it didn't matter if I didn't like it, you know, and because rather than tell my rescuers how they should go about saving me, you know, I want even my arms free to flail about. I grabbed on to the life preserver. You know, I took the help. I stopped flailing. And these ideas made sense. I needed moral psychology. I needed a new set of guiding principles so that the food no longer held any appeal. You know, and so I was saved. And that's, that's what's happened. You know, that's exactly it. And so when you're flailing about, take your arms and reach out for the directions. And, um, and then the transformation can occur. Thank you. With that, I'll Thanks, Melissa. Harlan G., you're next. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for your service. Thank you to Team Tuesday. When I read this paragraph, my mind flashes back to my life. And when I need a mental uplift, I think of myself sometimes, and I also think of others. But I never hid in a deserted barn determined to die. I hid in a well-populated, well-lit Kentucky Fried Chicken eating a bucket of chicken by myself. And I hid in there 
not with underwear on, but with towels shoved between layers of slab to keep it from rubbing together so I didn't get contact dermatitis. I think of being emasculated by this disease when I was 10 years old. I think of being effectively dead. I think of the edema, the intense swelling in my lower ankles to the point where getting up from a chair was painful and sitting in a chair was painful and living was painful and death was a welcome relief to the pain of the constant physical and emotional pain that this disease wrought into my life from the time I was a child. You know, in medical science, they're lucky if you have something wrong with you. They're lucky if they can bring you back to where you were. I was 700 pounds. I was 335 pounds as a senior in high school. I was 500 pounds in college, 600 pounds by the time the mid-80s came about, by the time the late 80s came about, I was, well, not the late 80s, the mid-80s, I was about 700 pounds by that time, the mid-80s, not the late 80s. I have lost 500 pounds in this program. I have 18 years of back-to-back beautiful abstinence, and I have abstained from compulsive overeating happily. Did I do that? No. Did screaming at me do that? No. Did hitting me do that? No. The only thing that affected that were these 12 steps and the power and the love of God. Don't believe in God? As long as you're willing to believe that there is a power greater than yourself, you can recover. This works. This works. This is the greatest way of life in the world. And I have not eaten compulsively over eaten in 18 years, and I have done so happily. On the next page, let's not forget something, too, that every time we come into a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, we are walking in here on the shoulders of giants. William D. Silkworth risked his career and would not allow his name to be in this book until the 10th printing of the first edition when in 1949 Harry Tebow published a paper where he believed that alcoholism was an illness. And then Silkworth told Bill Wilson two years before Silkworth died, you can put my name in here now. And I'm going to close by saying this. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through And though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. I didn't come here to find God. And I didn't come here to find my fellow human being. But in finding my fellow human being and finding recovery, I found a relationship with a power greater than myself that carries me above all the food that killed me before. This is the greatest way of life in the world. And vision for you is the renaissance of that way of life, keep coming back. But please, work the steps while you're here. Don't just punch into the line and keep eating. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan G. Tina S.? Thanks, Melanie. Uh, Tina S., um, covered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Great meeting, great stuff. 
You know, I certainly can relate to this paragraph. You know, I, I lived my life thinking, actually hoping that I would die in this disease because I didn't have a solution. You know, and and uh, and I, and I went to treatment, and and I was still running the show. You know, I was playing God, so I didn't hear anything they told me. You know, I actually, looking back, because I know several people that went to this same treatment center. You know. The recovery program they had was the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was not ready to hear nor be a part of at that time, and that was in 1987. You know, and so I had to continue to do this thing on my own and was not ready to surrender until 12 years later, you know, and so certainly I was wanting to die by that time, you know, and and then I finally heard the good news for me, which was that I needed a power greater than myself, which will solve my problem, you know, and 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 my problem is, and it tells me that on page 45, is lack of power. And then it goes on to say, and that's exactly what this book is about. And, and I'll end with this, and I'd love that a couple people shared this. You know, I came to scoff and, and remain to pray one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Larry K., it's your turn. Oh, thanks for your service, Melanie. Can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Okay, great. Great. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So, um, boy, a lot of good stuff. The, um, you know, who's this guy that hit? I didn't hit in a deserted barn, but who is this guy? They're referring here to a guy by the name of Fitz Mayo. <laughs> that name, always, whenever I heard that name, Fitz Mayo, it stuck with me because Mayo, boy, I ate a lot of mayo. I spread it on toast, and I ate a lot of that stuff over the years. But Fitz Mayo, Fitz and Hank Parkhurst, the previous guy, they often joined Bill and Lois at the early Oxford group gatherings before uh, AA broke away from the Oxford group. And, you know, to give this some, some context, Fitz apparently insisted that the big book should express some, some of the Christian doctrines and biblical references from the, the early, you know, the Oxford group movement. Whereas Hank P, he was on the other end of the, the debate about the mention of God or any particular theological orientation. And of course, Bill sort of tended to be somewhere in the middle of this debate. But the result for me was 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 what I believed to be a divinely inspired compromise, you know, God as we understood him. And and Ebby, you know, came into play with that. God as we understood, you know, find a God uh, as you understand God. And Fitz Mayo, he made some incredible inroads. This guy who almost died in a deserted barn, boy, he was recovered. And he made some inroads establishing AA in uh, Washington, D.C. in the surrounding area. Um, he was also um, one of the first of the AAers to develop these these incredible relationships with hospitals. That was uh, where you know we see that a lot today. And here here's a fun fact: just prior to 1939, Fitz Mayo was asked by the early pioneers to go to the Library of Congress in Washington D.C. to find out how many books were entitled "The Way Out," and it turned out there were about 25 books or more called "The Way Out." And that's why we're not reading a book this morning and studying a book um, called The Way Out. Um, so, you know, we owe a tremendous amount of gratitude, I do, uh, to him. Today, you'll, you'll generally find hospitals to be very generous to AA, OA, and NA. Obviously, they know that this 12-step process of recovery is effective. And, um, and, and this guy, I mean, during World War II, he joined the Army, uh, but was found to be suffering from cancer, I read. And, he died on October 4th, 1943, eight years after he stopped drinking. So pretty amazing that this guy who hid in a barn determined to die years earlier 
you know, he was able to be a force in life of maximum service to his higher power, helpful to his fellows, just like you and I are in January 2017. If that isn't a miracle, I don't know what is. So very grateful for Fitz. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Lisa H. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And I'm so grateful um, for this last line that Dr. Silkworth puts in here. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through. Um, for me, a compulsive overeater, I, I'm grateful to you all, to my recovered sponsor, who earnestly advised me to read this book through. You know, earnestly is is with a sincere and intense conviction. And so I had to take that because I was dying in this disease. I was um, insane with this mental obsession um, and an allergy of the body. But I had to with all earnestness, with all sincerity and intense conviction, read this book through um, and follow the directions laid out in this book with all earnestness. I remember I was abstinent literally for a month and going on vacation. I thought, how am I going to do this? And, and my recovered sponsor said, just take it all with you. So I took it all with me. I, I mean, I couldn't dial in, but I could listen to recorded meetings. Um, but I had to, from the very beginning, from step one, um, with as much earnestness, with intense conviction, um, follow, follow your example, um, follow the uh, steps as laid out in this book, because, and I have to continue today with earnestness, um, live in steps 10, 11, and 12, because um, without that earnest conviction, um, I would be back in the food. Um, with that earnest conviction, I was able to have a new, um, a new uh, relationship with a power greater than myself. Um, but I still have to, with earnestness, um, work on that relationship, just like I do other relationships. Anyway, thank you. Um, I'm so grateful uh, for Dr. Silkworth and, and for you all. And I pass. Thank you, Lisa H. Monica T. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Yeehaw! Here, doctor's opinion. We have been studying a doctor's opinion. You know, and I was told at the beginning of this chapter to write my book at the top there. This book is a textbook, Monica. This is a novel, so you need to study this thing. You know, I came in here asking, wondering, what the hell is wrong with me? What is wrong with my body? What is wrong with my mind? And Dr. Silkworth has explained this to me. What is wrong with me? I have a disease. And it's not my fault, but I've got this thing. And there's a solution. And I really want to zone in on that last paragraph. I earnestly, I seriously advise every alcoholic to read this book through. And though perhaps he came to scoff, to mock, to doubt, to scorn. He may remain to pray. I was told, you know what, Monica? You're screwed. You can't do what you want to do every day, and you continue to do the things you don't want to do every day. And Dr. Silkworth here, this medical man, is giving me another opinion here. He's telling me, Monica, get on. You are powerless. Your way hasn't worked. Nobody else has been able to do it for you. 
get on your knees and pray. And I just think that's so amazing that this medical guy is saying, get on your knees and pray. And um, uh, Dr. Silkworth, I was told, only had a 2% success rate with psychology. And he treated over 50,000 alcoholics. But when he saw this work, you know, how amazing. And I am so thankful to him for explaining to me what was wrong with me. And I'm so grateful that he's also saying there's a solution. It's called do the work, Monica. Do the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Looks like we have time for two more to share on this par- on these paragraphs. Who would like to share? Carol G. I heard Vasa and I heard Renee C. We'll take it with those two and see where we end up there. Thanks. Hi, Vasa. Thank you. Vasa, are you still with us? Yes, I was unmuting. Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and good morning, everyone. I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. You need a ride? I can. Can I continue? Yes, go go ahead, Vasa. Step one, I was powerless over the food. Um, Before I came to the program, and there was nothing I could do to stop before coming to program. And I was just so excited to hear the good news that I heard in the in this big book. And I can really identify with this uh, uh, person that uh, he was he had hidden in the deserted bond, the the, uh, the determined to die. And I remember when I was into the food addiction. I remember when I worked and I remember saying, you know, maybe when I get home, when I'm at home, when I don't work, when I have my child, then I'll have a better control. And then when my daughter was born, then I was home, and and it was the same thing. And I remember thinking, well, maybe if my husband just locks me in the room, isn't that the insanity? Of course, I have a child. How could he do that? But I remember thinking, somebody just locks me in the room so I cannot get to the food, then I'll be okay, you know. The insanity that went through that I had with struggling, struggling with the food over the years. But I remember my sponsor, you know, thank you, God, that, you know, she had 12-stepped me for, for a while. And she said, the only thing, Vasa, you need to do is to find a power greater than yourself, number one. And then you work the 12 steps. And I was given this book, and I was just so excited. I could not go home and read it. And I read it, not all at once, from the beginning to the end. And I said, oh, my God, there is solution here, you know. I mean, I saw the solution, my my sponsor, you know, from where she was to where she, when I saw her. And, again, it was just surrender. And I liked the, you know, when I heard how it works, um, hearing how the program worked, um, I had uh, with all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we de- we de- we deal with with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures of yield is nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. 
and I was so grateful to hear that. And I was sold. I was ready, and I've been doing this for 30 years, and I'm so grateful to God for bringing me to Overeaters Anonymous, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Renee C.? Hello, this is Renee C. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. Renee C., Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. Wow, this is just so powerful for me this morning. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. I certainly was not sold on anything except willpower and self-sufficiency and uh, selfishness, self-seeking, self-centeredness my whole life. And even when I came into the program 27 years ago, I still was not sold on anything. I was uh, using Overeaters Anonymous as a therapy group, which just shows you where I was. <laughs> But today, it's different. Today, I am so grateful for this renaissance of Overeaters Anonymous envisioned for you. And I am really amazed as I go through the steps yet again, the power that is not me, that is outside of myself, the power greater than myself, that allows me to put the food down, keep the food down, and work these steps because my life depends upon it. Um, I scoffed at everything, you know, everything and anything, but I'm learning how to pray and to meditate and to thank my higher power, this fellowship, all of you, for the grace that I've been given. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Renee C. And as time would have it, we have an opportunity for someone to share for just two minutes. Who would like to Nessa take that? Nessa R. Nessa R. Gotcha, Nessa. Thanks. Go ahead for two minutes, please. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm so um, happy to be able uh, to share. I wanted to share on a line. It's often um, overlooked, but a few people have already shared um, quite a bit on it. It's uh, and well, perhaps he came to scoff. Perhaps uh, he may remain to pray. And I think that most of us came um, came into a way because everything. Um, we have tried to control the food and the weight had failed. It was our, our, our um, measure of last resort. You know, I, I was one of those options and ideas, you know. I think some people like me also had never been to a 12-step program, so we, we didn't know what, what to expect. But I came, I came looking for the magic cure that would enable me to eat everything that I wanted and still be thin. So when we realized, when I realized what was involved, I never took chocolate again and all this work that had to be done every day for the rest of my life, you know, we became discouraged. I became discouraged and came up with all sorts of reasons, excuses, rationalizations, why I didn't really need to do this, why I didn't have the time to do this, it wouldn't work for me, my life was so stressful, you know, more stressful than yours or anybody else's. And so we scoffed. But then we, became, we came into contact with someone in whom the problem had been solved. And sadly, not every OA meeting has um, someone like that, but I was lucky enough. I, I did come into contact with someone like that. And so we saw people in normal bodies, normal minds, living normal lives without having to compulsively overeat to get through. 
And I became inspired. I became inspired by what um, would be possible if I just did what they did. And so I remained to pray and recovery followed. And that's, that's my story, and I pass. Thank you very much, Nessa. Thank you for staying with that. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with the serenity prayer. Will Lisa H. please read, our book is meant to be suggestive only, on 164? Yes, thank you. This is Lisa H., recovered in Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.